guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. It has been discussed in here before, um, but I'd like to reiterate that I am a creature of habit. Most of my life is planned out. Most of my life is based around routines and patterns that are predictable, just repeats every day. Um, I'd like to walk you through some of my routines because I know that you're very curious about how I spend my mornings, um, and you are not going to judge me or diagnose me with any compulsive disorders. Okay, so every morning I wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I wake up, I turn off my alarm clock, and we are off. So I go, uh, go to the bathroom. First thing, first thing, you go to the bathroom. Then I get, t- uh, get ready for my morning shower, where I wash my hair every day, which I hear is bad for you, but it's working out just fine for me. So I alternate dandruff sh- shampoo and Moroccan oil infusion shampoo, just because uh, your mom told me, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she told me Moroccan oil is what your hair needs. So I alternate those two shampoos every day. Um, I brush my teeth in the shower, which I've shared before. When I'm done, I dry myself off, hair, back, arms, front, leg, leg. Every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> Wrap the towel. And this is where I make my contacts or glasses decision. Um, and then I get into the goops. So if I'm uh, wearing contacts, I get into the contact goop first. And then I have lotion goops. So I lotion up the dry spots. Eyebrow, eyebrow, nose, nose, under the nose. Those are my dry spots. Um, then I get into the hair goop. And then I try to make my hair look okay. If not, wear a hat. So uh, now I go upstairs and I get dressed. And after I'm dressed, I fill my pockets. Right pocket, phone, knife, chapstick if it's in season, left pocket, wallet, keys, AirPods. Every day. (laughs) Finish off with ring, ring, watch. Um, Then I give Sam a kiss and I head out the door. Turns out a husband is more likely to get into a car accident if they do not have a kiss from their wife before they leave. So Sam does her duty for my safety. And we share a kiss every morning. My uh, meticulous routines do not end in the morning. There's a nighttime one too. Um, Sam knows that she needs to tell me like 30 minutes before she's ready for bed because I got things to do before I can actually get to bed. So I know you're curious. Every other day, I drink about three quarts of sweet tea. So every other day, I have to remake my sweet tea. So if it's one of the, if it's a tea day, um, the first thing I do is I start my tea um, in my little brew tea maker. So it can brew while I do my other things. Um, while that's happening, I put an AirPod in, and then I do I open the Bible app. So I'm listening to the Bible um, right now. I am listening. I'm, I've been doing a Matthew a whole lot. So I'll probably tonight I'll probably listen to Matthew four like three or four times over and over. Um, and that's playing while I brush my teeth and get ready for the bed. I water the plant in the bathroom because it's the thirstiest plant in our house needs water almost every day. When I'm done with that, uh, I'll go upstairs and undo everything I did in the morning, empty my pockets, etc. At this point, I've listened to Matthew 4 three or four times, and um, I will sit down and do some more intentional, like, active Bible study and writing about Matthew 4. Then I set my alarm for the next morning, and then I say, Alexa, good night. She turns all the lights off, and then I'm asleep in five minutes. It's crazy. It's a miracle. (laughs) Now, I am aware that not everyone is as compulsive as I am, and as I did this, I grew a little concerned for myself. (laughs) But I know we all do have routines, we all have patterns, we all have rhythms in our lives. Um, and beyond my like morning and bedtime routine, if you observed how I spent my time 
say for a, a week or a month, you would notice all kinds of other patterns. You would see uh, eating at sheets too much. You would see lots of Netflix and dumb games on my phone. I'm, I've beaten Toon Blast. <laughs> you can do that apparently. Um, you would notice uh, lots of Twitter scrolling and Facebook Marketplace because I'm a dad. And um, I observe, if I observed how you spent your time, I would notice some some patterns and routines as well. Maybe hours in the gym uh, or at practice or rehearsal, lots of homework, um, hours and hours of TikToks and YouTube. Between everyone in the room, lots of TikTok and YouTube. Um, many, many trips to the fridge and the microwave, I'm sure. Um, time watching hockey or the NBA or Freddie's favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, maybe... <laughs> Maybe time with your friends, time with your family. I would notice these patterns. Hopefully, uh, I'd see it, you know, time in prayer and, and time spent in the Bible and at church. We all have routines and patterns and rhythms in our lives. And if we take some time to look closely at our rhythms, we're going to learn something about ourselves. We're going to learn about how, what we prioritize, what we spend our money on, what we spend our time on. Because this sentence is true for everyone. Your rhythms reveal your priorities. Your rhythms reveal your priorities. How you spend your time shows you what you really prioritize, especially uh, as opposed to what you say and what you do. You can say that you prioritize things, but if you don't spend your time that way, you might notice a difference. So tonight we're starting just a tiny series called Rhythms, and we're going to spend some time um, talking about prayer. And I don't know if I'm more excited to learn about prayer with you or knowing that by the end of this series, I will be able to spell the word rhythms without autocorrect's help. I'll tell you, after writing one sermon and typing it like 300 times, I'm not there yet, <laughs> but I will know how to spell rhythms by the end of this. We're going to talk about what prayer is supposed to be, what prayer is not supposed to be. Um, ultimately, what I want you to take away is that prayer needs to be a part of your life. I, I want to show you how Jesus taught us how to pray, but I also want you to know that Prayer needs to be a part of your life. I'll bring back our bottom line. It's the bottom line for the series. Your rhythms reveal your priorities. And if that's true, which I think it is, we have to spend our time on purpose. We have to spend our time on purpose. Because what happens when you spend your money frivolously? You have no money and nothing to show for it. Same thing happens with your time. If you spend your time without intention, you have no time and nothing to show for it. That doesn't mean that I don't spend my time on anything fun, uh, even things that seem like a waste of time, like TikTok and naps, uh, because we all yeah. need a laugh, we all need some rest. So all of those things can be awesome in the right context and amount. But what I'm talking about is spending your time on purpose, intentionally setting what you spend your time on. Rarely do I find myself exercising by accident. Rarely do I find myself reading my Bible by accident. Rarely do I find myself doing my taxes or washing the dishes by accident. Uh, you rest assured you will not find me eating vegetables by accident. <laughs> there are all kinds of things. These are things we have to do. They help us. They build us. They can be tough and necessary, but they don't happen by accident. You have to do that on purpose. They're a part of a flourishing life, and you have to do them on purpose or they don't happen. As Jesus' followers, I have to let God impact my rhythms. Let him impact my priorities. I have to seek him, read his word, to see how he would have me spend my time, how, how he would have my rhythms be impacted. So how does being a Jesus follower impact your rhythms? We've talked about 10 and 10. Every day, 10 minutes, every day engaging with the Bible, 10 minutes in prayer. 
That's a great starting point. Um, communication with God is a major part of following Jesus. And communication takes time. It just does. We need to make prayer a part of our rhythms. That's a big piece of what this series is about. Prayer is an important skill for us to learn. And Jesus has given us all kinds of tools to, uh, to help us to learn how to pray. And he lived as a great example of what prayer rhythms look like. And he taught about prayer as well. Really helpful stuff. He showed us how important prayer is. He showed us that prayer prepares us for what God has for us. He showed us that prayer recharges us when we're depleted. He shows us that prayer uh, helps us develop intimacy and closeness with our God. And prayer helps us keep connected to our creator. He showed us that we can take our pain and our problems to God through prayer, that we can cast our cares on him, and we can count on him to take care of us in times of trouble. He was a great example of what prayer rhythms look like. Tonight, I want to start in a way that might not be intuitive, uh, because we're going to look at what Jesus said about how not to pray, because I think that can really help us. Um, Jesus teaches his followers about prayer in Matthew 6, and I think what he says about prayer in this chapter, my hope is that it will relieve for you some of the stress around prayer, some of the pressure around prayer. So let's check out Jesus' teaching. For some, prayer don'ts. Prayer don'ts. Uh, We're going to be looking at Matthew 6, 5 through 9, and we'll continue this passage next week, but beginning in 6, 5 through 9, let's ease in with just a couple words. When you pray. Jesus has taken it as a granted principle that his followers will pray. And we shouldn't rush past that. When you pray. He says a lot in these couple words. These three words he says you are supposed to pray. (laughs) It's a given. And and if you're following Jesus, it is a given. Communicating with God is a non-negotiable. When you give your life to him, when you let the Holy Spirit transform you, you pray. You do. So our first prayer don't is don't stop. Don't stop praying. Um, Paul wrote about this too, and it comes to mind every time I think about this. Um, When I think about making prayer a regular rhythm in your life, he said in 1 Thessalonians, a short, sweet prayer that you can memorize today, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Another version says, pray without ceasing. Um, So Paul was writing to new Christians, right? New Jesus followers in the city of Thessaloniki or Thessalonica, and uh, he told them how important prayer is. He showed them in this verse, it's so important, don't ever stop doing it. Let your idle mind fall into not, what's my grocery list, what homework assignments do I have to do? Let it fall into prayer. Let your um, neutral moments be times that you communicate with God. Never stop praying. So important. So how are you doing this? How are you making prayer a regular rhythm in your life? We'll talk more about it next week, about how to pray. But at this point, are you doing it at all? Are you praying? Have you made an effort to make prayer a part of your routine? Don't stop praying. If we read on, we see Jesus, um, and he's about to take some shots at the Pharisees. Um, He gets a little spicy here. So he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will get. But when you pray, Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. I think it is very funny that Jesus points to the religious leaders of the time to show people how not to pray. Really painful for them. (laughs) Um, And to be fair, he doesn't name the Pharisees. He just says 
hypocrites. Now, it is clear, based on other times where Jesus has called the Pharisees to their faces, hypocrites, <laughs> um, that this is what he, that what he's, who he's talking about. Apparently, they had a reputation for, uh, and it's a reputation that Jesus is warning against. So, taking in this verse, he's saying to us, don't pray to be seen. This is how I'm putting it anyway. I think the face value of this um, this scripture is pretty obvious. Um, if you're praying to impress people, you're praying wrong. <laughs> Somebody probably told you at some point in your life, you can't pray wrong, you just pray. Ooh, you can. <laughs> Jesus said, yes, you can. If you're praying to impress someone, you're praying wrong. Prayer is meant to be a communication with God. It's a spiritual moment for you and God. And the Pharisees were praying to be seen. They're praying to be noticed. They're praying to be admired. They wanted to show people how spiritual they were and how impressive they were because of how good of prayers they were. Now, don't be confused. Public prayer is not going away. Um, it's an important thing. We've done it tonight already. We pray throughout a service and small groups with people. We're supposed to pray with people. So Jesus is not advocating for the complete removal of corporate prayer. We do that together. But he's saying when you do pray together, pray right. He's teaching us that it's what's going on in your heart that's really, really important when you pray. If you're praying to be seen, being seen is all you get. If you're praying to be seen, being seen is all you get. That's your reward. Private prayer where only God can see you is where you're rewarded in heaven, where only God can see you. Praying in private, if you're somebody who um, is prone to showing off, uh, me, I have, especially in other times in my life, I think I've grown a lot. I think the Holy Spirit has helped me out of it a lot. I was prone to showing off. If you are someone who's prone to showing off, praying in private is probably something you should make a habit of. If you're someone who does a lot of praying in public, you should be praying in private proportionally more often. <laughs> For every prayer in public, say 10 prayers in private. I made those numbers up, but the principle stands. <laughs> if you're praying in, pro in public, you have to have a foundation of praying in, in private as well. So um, this is something you may have noticed about people. You may have noticed this. There are times when we get a feeling about somebody's prayer. It's just like, it, it might be judgmental. And I've been in places where it's probably judgmental or, or envy of somebody. Uh, we have to watch out for that stuff. But it might be discernment. It might be God speaking to you. Sometimes it can feel like a person is faking it in, in a prayer. In a, in a public or a worship setting, anyone on stage, you can feel like somebody's faking it, uh, that they're more interested in showing people how good of a prayer they are than in actually leading a group in a conversation with God. This is a direct warning for anyone who spends time on stage at church. They probably didn't have much of a stage at Jesus's time, but if they did, he would have said it, I think. Any preacher, any worship team member, if you're more concerned with showing how spiritual you are than leading people into his presence. You're doing it wrong. I would wager, let me transition here. I would wager some of you are saying, this is not a problem I have. Um, you don't have a problem with trying to be impressive to people because you don't want to be perceived by people at all. <laughs> if I could just be invisible, that's my goal. Um, so I think like, it's, if it's more of an anxiety issue for you, you get nervous speaking in front of people, I'd like to challenge you and I'd like to convince you it might be the same thing. Because when the Pharisees prayed, they prayed to be seen, to be noticed, which is the opposite of what many of you probably want. But the heart of the problem is that the Pharisees were taking a moment meant for God and making it about themselves. 
And when you're in a spiritual moment, whether you want everyone to look at you or you want to make sure no one looks at you, you're still thinking about you. <laughs> so when you're in a spiritual moment, it's, about, it's not about you. Now, I'm aware that anxiety can be difficult to overcome and everybody's nervous about speaking in front of people. I get that. And I don't take it advantage of somebody who does it a lot and who has had to get used to it. I know that it's incredibly difficult. One point in the sermon will probably not shake you out of this completely. But I do want to challenge you, and I hope that sticks with you. When your parent asks you to pray for a meal or your small group leader asks you to pray for somebody's prayer request or any other opportunity you might have to steward a spiritual moment, remember it's not about you. Make it about God. Don't pray to be seen or not seen, if that's the case. Jesus points out another prayer don't in the next few verses. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Now, let me start out by saying, just like um, you should still pray corporately, we're still going to do public prayer, Keep praying long prayers. <laughs> you know, I, I mentioned at the top of the service that we are going to be, for the next couple of weeks, shortening our prayers in this room, just as an example, to, to take some of the pressure out of praying. But praying a long prayer is still very valuable. Um, these verses might sound like an excuse to spend less time praying, but Jesus did not live a life of less time praying. He spent more time praying than anyone that I know. Um, Jesus shows us that. The point he's trying to make is about motive. Why do you pray the way you pray? Are you concerned with worshiping and communicating with God, as you should be, or are you trying to sound very spiritual? Or are you trying to use the right combination of churchy words to get God to do what you want him to do? Don't pray to be heard. Don't pray to be heard. We should be praying to be heard by God. I hope you can, you can hear the, uh, the implied by people. Jesus calls out the Gentiles this time. Nobody's safe. Jesus is taking everybody out. He calls out the Gentiles. If you don't know, God's chosen people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, that was actually like an ethnicity, especially at the time, you know, it was pretty tight. And uh, they had a name for anyone who wasn't Jewish. And it was Gentiles. So they had their family, the Jewish people, and everyone else was a Gentile. If it sounds a little racist, it's because it is. So when Jesus uses this word, he's talking about anybody who doesn't serve Yahweh, anybody who doesn't worship the one true God, anybody else, they're a Gentile. And at the time of Jesus, there were people all over the place worshiping other gods. That certainly happened. It was common among those faith traditions for them to pray certain repetitions, certain incantations um, for saying the right words to basically obligate their God to do something. If they just said the same thing over and over, or they said the right thing and the right combination, their God had to act. Their God had to do whatever they wanted them to do. Like the gods were being ordered around by people's prayers. And we know that's not how our God works. He isn't bossed around by the right words or obligated to do something that we ask him to do. He's outside of time and space. He knows every possibility in the multiverse. So he answers our prayers according to his knowledge. He gives us a yes, no, or a not yet based on knowing everything. We can trust him. That's why he heals people and does miracles. That's why Jesus came. That's why the Holy Spirit has filled us. It's all about bringing people to him, uniting people with him. So if you get nervous about your prayer not being answered the way you thought, remember you serve the God of the universe. And he's taking care of you because he takes care of his people. So with that as our foundation, don't pray to be heard. Longer prayer does not mean better prayer. 
I have thought that pretty actively at times in my life. <laughs> if I can't pray for longer, what am I doing here? No, longer prayer does not mean better prayer. Um, we've probably experienced this with people as well, where someone that you hear pray, and they're just praying and praying and praying, but they're not really saying anything. <laughs> like, if you're paying close attention, you're like, you maybe said one thing 10 times, but even that wasn't a very strong thing. Like, they're just working through the, the list of, like, prayer cliches. And um, now all of those phrases and prayer cliches that you've heard, they all have been meaningful to people. But if you heard a prayer and you liked how it sounded and you just parroted it to sound cool, you might be praying to be heard. There are all kinds of cool, like theological words, like Trinitarianism and substitutionary atonement and propitiation. Uh, And these words are cool to know, but you aren't a better prayer if you use them. (laughs) Especially if you're using them to seem like a better prayer, you're doing that wrong. Um, And I want, again, I want you to let this truth relieve some of the pressure for praying. That if it makes you nervous to pray in front of people, remember that it's not about saying the right words. It's not about praying for the right amount of time for long enough. Short prayers with simple words are exactly what he's looking for from you. I feel led to say that again, because I think that that might help somebody. Short prayers with simple words are exactly what he wants from you. So let that relieve some of the pressure. God honors the heart of your prayer. You don't have to impress him with big words or long-winded prayers. You have to come before him in honesty and humility. You have to cast your cares onto him. You have to draw close to him as he draws close to you. That's what prayer is about. If you find yourself making prayer about anything else, like looking good in front of other people, about saying the right words for approval, about making sure you don't look dumb in front of people, you might be making it about the wrong thing. And you're missing a healthy prayer life. You're missing healthy prayer rhythms. You're missing out on the power of prayer. You're missing out on a relationship, the relationship with God that prayer cultivates, that prayer is the foundation of. You're missing out on time with a God who loves you. Don't miss out on that. Now, next week, we've talked about lots of prayer don'ts. Next week, we're going to talk about how to pray, the right way to pray, prayer do's, if you will. Um, in the next couple of verses of Matthew 6, we get the Lord's Prayer. That's where we're going. So if you want to read that this week to prepare for it, that would be awesome. Um, Jesus gives us this really helpful template for prayer, a great tool for teaching us the elements of prayer, how to pray. When the disciples asked him how to pray, he gave them the Lord's Prayer. He gave us the Lord's Prayer. That's what we're going to look at. I want you to start putting prayer in your rhythms right now, though. I don't want you to wait until next week to know how to do it. So one tiny tip to start you out. Gratitude. Lots of prayer don'ts tonight, but let me give you one prayer do as a precursor for next week. Gratitude, because I want you to start tonight. I want you to start now. Prayer is in large part about thanking God, thanking him for who he is, thanking him for what he's done for us, thanking him for the great plans he has for us in the future. So as you work toward a healthy rhythm of 10 and 10, start by giving him thanks. Thank him for the provision in your life. Thank him for um, the food you have to eat, the, the roof over your head, the people around you. And most importantly, thank him for Jesus. If I could pause here. (laughs) Thank him that while we were yet sinners, even though we mess up, he came to have the human experience and die a sinner's death, though he lived a perfect life, so we could be reunited with God. That's That's the gospel. That's the good news, that Jesus cared about us that much. Be thankful for it. Thank him for it. If you start listing out things that you're thankful for, you will not run out of things quickly. If you do, 
Be more specific. You missed something. So um, as we all work on our prayer rhythms together, let's start with gratitude. When you look at the rhythms of your life, what do you see? Do you see a sports fan, a TV junkie, a dedicated friend, even good things? Your rhythms reveal your priorities. Those rhythms, those things you see are important. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, your biggest priority should be your relationship with him, cultivating your relationship with him. So as we continue with this series over just a couple weeks, ask yourself these questions. Do your rhythms reveal that Jesus is a priority in your life? Because your rhythms reveal your priorities. Let us say a short and simple prayer. God, help us to make our prayer about you and about nothing else. Help us to be thankful for everything you've done for us. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.